Rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast. A Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Comic Force my name is Tyler Reganti, and it is going to be a great show tonight. We have a special guest. We have the High Republic news, and we're going to discuss our, our brand new roundtable of the 2020 run of the Star Wars mainline. But before we do that, let's go around the room and introduce everybody. Emma, how are you doing? I, I really appreciate uh, it's hockey night tonight uh, on the Cosmic Force. You've got your Bruins gear. I've got my lightning gear. How's it going? It's great. Bruins are doing great. They advanced uh, to the next round. We love that. Uh, I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm. Don't love that. But I'm really excited to talk about uh, uh, some comics tonight. Yeah. Yes. All right. Our special guest tonight, because Caleb is uh, at Batu right now, I believe. Uh, so we have <laughs> filling in for him tonight. Uh, the one, the only Eric Eilerson. Eric, how's it going tonight? Uh, it's going well. Uh, I did I did not wear anything for hockey night, but I want to say the Red Wings used to be good, and <laughs> I would have. I lived in Michigan for like twenty six years, and for twenty five of those years, we made the playoffs. So uh, they were yes, I, I, I they back were my they were they were talk. my favorite hockey team growing up because the Lightning weren't weren't, weren't good back then, and I could only get uh, get, get to see Dude. them. So I can I can attest to that. Fedorov, baby. Oh yes, That's what it was, oh yes, the glory days. But I'm and doing last, well. We got higher public news, man. I'm yes, ready. we do have higher public news. So we're gonna skip uh, our um, let next host hockey team because nobody wants to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> because they're gonna Excuse lose you. the Lightning anyway. Uh, Jacob, <laughs> probably you you went to a hockey game this this week, right? I did go. I went to a hockey game last night. It was my first NHL game. I grew up in Indiana, so we don't have hockey there. Although, our one claim to fame is we were the first team that had Wayne Gretzky on it. So, checkmate uh, the rest of the Oilers. I don't know, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the Canes won last night. It was a cool game. Went to overtime, our third straight overtime game, which um, definitely didn't have to do like an hour and a half of work when I got home, but it's fine. Uh, but yeah. So I went to a game. I got uh, Tyler a puck of, again, greatest team in the NHL right now. That's definitely not going to lose next round. Uh, but, yeah, so overall pretty good. And I was going to wear my sweater, but I, I got my new High Republic t-shirt in. So Very I, nice. I, 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 I mean, I kind of had to. We, so. We've got to balance the sports talk and, and, and the comics talk because uh, normally those two populations don't gel well. So we we, we got to make <laughs> sure we, we limit that amount of talk. Uh, so it, We do have Eric. So if yeah. you're going to do Star Wars and sports, we have the, yes. the right guy on the yes. show. Well, today. And, like, and anything have, is... We, go ahead. I was going to say, we got hockey in Star Wars on this show. They have like... Premier League soccer in Star Wars on Conjure Book Club, and then you have only me yelling about the NFL and Charles and yelling about the NBA. Nobody wants to force. hear about the Dallas Cowboys. So we're just going to go ahead Jack and move on. We are videos. a Star Wars comics <laughs> podcast that broadcasts live right here every night on youtube.com slash utini. Uh, you can check us here every night live, Wednesdays at 8. And if you can't join us live, that's okay. We are on all of your podcast networks, as well as the videos are here anytime that you want on, here on YouTube. We also have 
a very large 1,000 member Discord channel uh, at um, UT. Or at our the link. I don't know. I'm all, Eric's in my ear making making noises, and he's all he's all messing me up. I take a week off, and then I come back with I come back to Eric, and it's, everything is all over the place. <laughs> so, in addition to Discord, we also have Patreon. Patreon.com slash Utini. That's the, the link I was trying to say in the, in the, in the last segment. Uh, for as little as five dollars a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini podcast network of shows, as well as, as exclusive merch and community-involved activities. Uh, so, we are going to get right into it now because uh, just before we waited f- with bated breath for what, Eric? Three Nine hours? hours? Oh my I, gosh! All day. All day. Luckily, All it did launch. They did uh, the High Republic show did launch before we came on because we got comic news. Uh, Jacob, why don't you go ahead and tell us what we are getting this fall? Yeah, so we had just announced, uh, what, yeah, like an hour ago now, that uh, Daniel Jose Older will be writing a new High Republic miniseries with Marvel called Trail of Shadows. So we got the little key art for that here. Came out at the end of the show. I know we're all super excited to get more High Republic comics. Again, from such a great author who's been really killing it with the the High Republic Adventures line so far. Uh, But so we know that the pencils for the series will be by David Walker and colors by uh, Giada Marchisio. And the covers are by David Lopez. Uh, And the art that we saw there was actually from the variant for issue number one by Ario Anandito. And Rochelle Rosenberg, who of course are doing the art for the current High Republic Marvel uh, Marvel series with Kevin Scott, and it's supposed to follow uh, the events after the Republic affair, so that after basically the next wave of novels, uh, and it's going to revolve around Jedi Emric Kaftor, who is investigating a strange memory, me- sorry, strange mystery, uh, alongside uh, a private detective, Cyan Holt, who's been hired by Chancellor Lena So. And it's been described as kind of like having some uh, some X Files dynamics between the two the two of them. So it's dropping sometime in the fall. Uh, so I'm sure we're all gonna be very excited about it. I mean, now in the fall we have what prob- probably monster at the Temple Peak. Yeah, yeah, like August uh, September ish. Yeah, yeah. Plus we got the the manga, uh, the first uh, edition of the manga coming out in September. So it's gonna be a be a pretty packed time for uh for high republic comics outside of the regular two runs i think it's it's, i am more excited about this round than i was for the first round uh, of of content Mm -hmm. because the first round was so good i i I mean that's eric i i know you we went around when the when the the first first wave of of content came out so so i'll have to defer to you about about the hype of all that but but what are your thoughts on on this next round of, of content between the comics and the books and everything I mean, I'm just amazed by it, frankly. I think that it's it's so cool that they're bringing back a lot of the creators that were on the first wave, but also dabbling in a couple other new people, really making like a family of High Republic, which is great. And today actually lifted the embargo on the first three books uh, that went out, Rising Storm, Race to Crash Point Tower, and Out of the Shadows. And obviously, as you all know watching, we at Utini don't review until day of release, because we want to make sure it's a little more like when you're going to get the book, you read our review and stuff. But on Twitter today and on YouTube, I mean, the, the reviews were amazing. Alex right. Damon over at Star Wars Explained said he thinks the wave is overall better than the first wave, which is ama- which is just incredible. Um, and I like that we have people going to different mediums. I mean, Daniel Jose Older going from Razor Crash Point Tower to Higher Public Adventures now to this is going to be super great. And bringing in guys like David Lopez, the cover artist, who was a Marvel Comics guy back in like the early mid-2000s. I used to like it a lot. So 
it's just really cool that they're continuing all of it. And I have, um, I have been lucky enough to start Rising Storm myself. I don't read as fast as everyone on Twitter. But uh, I, I can say that if what I've read so far is any indication, uh, I, I, it's, 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 it's going to be incredible. This whole initiative is somehow even better than we had hoped. And I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, and there's there's a great write-up on StarWars.com, of course, uh, in addition to the High Republic uh, show. So if you want to check out some more details, uh, get some nice, cool art of Cyan Holt and Emmerich Kaftor. Oh, sick. Uh, can, Love that. Yeah. Can, and I uh, do encourage you, I do I do encourage you to go back and watch the High Republic uh, show, uh, mm. episode three, because they do have a little segment um, that features a comics team and, and features yep. kind of like their process and everything. So you are here watching a Star Wars comic sh- uh, podcast and, and, and video. Uh, I encourage you to, to head over there, show that team some support. Uh, they are knocking out of the park with with, with, with the content. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, su- I'm super excited about that. So uh, we are going to try to get to go through our intro very quickly uh, because we've got a roundtable to talk about uh, and, and we want to go ahead and get into that. But before we do, we have our weekly pull list. So, Jacob, uh, we've got a couple things coming out this week. So what can people expect to find at their local comic store this week? All right. So I definitely just reali- didn't just realize that uh, I forgot to write down the details for Darth Vader, and I just have the details for Doctor Afra twice. Uh, but here we go, pulling it up on the fly. So we have Do- Darth Vader twenty twenty issue number twelve, uh, written by Greg Pak and uh, art by uh, see uh, Jui uh, Villanova. He's actually a, a plug-in artist for this issue. Uh, letter as always, Joe Carmanga. Uh, cover by Richard Isanova and uh, Aaron Cooter. Uh, so that's going to be the prelude into the trap. It's the next part of, well, the next prelude uh, for, of course, War of the Bounty Hunter. Uh, and then we have uh, Dr. Afra. Oh, well, I just realized that I did write it down and I put the wrong title on it. So, I'll, yeah, that was all correct. There we You're go. Killing it. You're killing it. <laughs> uh, Dr. Afra number 10. I am all over the place today. Uh, too much excitement, a, you know? Yeah. That's right. uh, too much trying to scramble and make all of that High Republic news fit in the show uh, an hour ago. When news uh, breaks but, an hour an hour before the showtime, this is what you get, people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. So, uh, Dr. Afra 2020, issue number 10. Prelude the Invitation. Uh, the writer is Alyssa Wong. Pencils by Ray Anthony Height. Cover by Sway. Inker is Victor Olazaba, colorist Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter Joe Carmanga. Uh, and then lastly, this is one I actually missed on my first uh, run through, was uh, we have a new IDW comic oh, coming yeah. out today. It's Star Wars Adventures, nice. The Weapon of a Jedi, number one. This is going to be issue one of two, uh, written by Jason Fry and Alec Worley. Uh, the artist is Rari Coleman, and the cover is by him as well. So this is a English translation of a German comic adaptation of a junior novel. Whoa. So, yeah. <laughs> ah, that old thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have not read this, uh, the novel or obviously the German comic. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, pick it up. It's only two issues. I think the next one comes out in June is what I was seeing. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it popped into my uh, comicsology today, um, but I haven't had a chance to read it. It looks really interesting. Yeah, I started the junior novel. That was like, it was Weapon of a Jedi, Smuggler's Run, or 
Smuggler's Bounty or something. It was like the three small novels in the Journey to Force Awakens junior novel. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Jason Fry wrote. And they aren't, they weren't quite as good as like the Justine Ireland junior novel, like Spark of Resistance, things like that. But I think in a comics form, it could be really interesting. So, yeah, definitely. I got to go back and get that one. All right. So all right. I think we're going to, yeah, hop. And of course, as always, uh, well, except for Star Wars Adventures, all of the comicsology links for those are in the description. Boom. So now let's go ahead and discuss what we are loving this week. Uh, I'll start with my art of the week. Um, this is from Darth Vader, the 2015 run. This is issue number one. The artist was uh, Salvador La Roca and the colorist was Edgar Delgado. Uh, this was a really interesting uh, issue because there's a lot of this um, con- uh, or a contrast between a... Um, past and the present and, and and the colors and the timeline and, and there's there's a good four or five pages uh, of, of this sort of really good st- storytelling with with a minimal amount of of, of letters and and mo- a lot of art and it's uh, it really it really popped out to me when I turned the page and saw this so uh, I thought this was a, a really cool thing uh, I'm really liking the art of uh, of this this run better than the the than the other run. Uh, Charles Soule run the story in there is fantastic, but I think the art of this run is 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 maybe a, a little bit better. So uh, I've read this and I've read the second trade paperback. Uh, so I'm going to hopefully continue that into next week, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Emma, what do you have this week? Yeah, so my art of the week is from uh, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, number one, with art by Juan Frigri. And uh, I really loved the art style here. It, it's almost like kind of minimalist, but not. I don't think that's the right word to describe it. I don't know. It's very cool. Uh, and we have uh, uh, Darth Maul uh, helping uh, uh, leave prison uh, with, let's see, that's Gar Saxon and, and Rook Cass. So some really awesome um, Clone Wars tie-ins here with uh, episode or season seven, especially. And yeah. Um, this whole comic uh, miniseries, I think, is severely underrated. And oh, absolutely. It, I, I enjoyed it a ton. So, and great art, too. So, I, I love this this page here. Maul is one of my uh, favorite characters. So, having him oh, having yeah, him yeah. featured is like, like this is great. It, it's funny because, like, Darth Vader, Darth Maul, all of the Darths, they translate really well in the <laughs> comics. So, I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's actually Darth Maul off of the Living Force winning Dark Side draft team. If I remember that's correctly, right. that's yeah. right. It's it's funny you bring that up because that's also on my Carl comic draft list uh, for last week. Yes! So look at that. Yeah. He's won all the drafts. Malcolm Hall's a draft right? king. He's so draft king. Are you, are you, are you admitting that I won last week? Or I think so. Oh, I'll take that. I, also, yeah. winners. No. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe. But maybe. Um, Jacob, what's what's your art of the week? Um, so I saw this and I just like could not feature this ridiculous like comical panel from Darth or from Vader Dark Visions oh number two. That's uh, that's incredible by Brian Level and yeah, uh, that's exactly what it looks like. It's a Imperial Star Destroyer uh, ramming through an Exogorth uh, or AKA the Space Slug. Um, and that's I mean I don't really know if I need to say anything after that. It's just <laughs> it's like, pretty straightforward. <laughs> Just look at it. That's it's ridiculous. Wild. You have you have the my crazy- attention. <laughs> yeah, it's like the this like the premise of the story is an imperial officer fails Vader, and he knows what is the cost for failing Vader. So he puts his crew through everything possible, basically driving them to their death to try and make up for this mistake. Uh, so when a rebel uh, U-wing flies into this uh, the space slug, uh, well, you know he's chasing right after it, and uh, yeah. 
So that's what that looks like. It's insane. Uh, but yeah, Vader Dark Visions is a mini series of comics written basically from the perspective of like regular everyday people who interact with Darth Vader or see Darth Vader at some point. And each different issue uh, is by a different artist. So kind of cool concept, even though uh, not all the issues are equal in quality. Uh, we'll go with that. So yeah, but, yeah. this yeah, is I know a little bit of talk about. Talk about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this one is great though. I read this that. And I was like, oh I, yeah, I read that issue and I was like, oh oh no. But this one's pretty cool. This one's yeah. interesting. So yeah, Eric, what what about you? What do you got? Uh, so mine is from the High Republic Adventures from the uh, recently mentioned Daniel Jose Older writing. And this page is by uh, Harvey Tolabao, who's the artist. And this is just a giant freaking space battle from the High Republic Jedi against the Nile. And I picked it because it's just so exciting and kinetic. And I think that the High Republic comic in the mainline gets a lot of credit and a lot of kind of praise, as it should. It's brilliant. I love it. But sometimes the High Republic Adventures for, like, older readers doesn't necessarily get as much respect. But I want to show you all, like, this is what it's like. This is the art. It is, like, it is just freaking gorgeous stuff. The ship designs are great. The battles are super fun. And the issues in action are really, really, really super solid. So just want to put a little spotlight on the High Republic Adventures there. Yeah, it's a great series with some really great art, as as you can see there. My gosh, I love a space battle, but High Republic <laughs> space battles, oh my god. So good! So, <laughs> so good. good, so good. So uh, we have a community submission for Art of the Week. This is from Aiden, a.k.a. Jedi Pig in Discord. Thank you so much for your submission. Uh, this is from The Last Jedi Adaptation number 6, with pencils by Michael Walsh. Um, so Aiden, congratulations. You have a free comic code. Reach out to us in Discord. Um, this is gorgeous with the sunset, yeah, with the agreed. ATM sixes. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful. I love it. Love it. Great yeah, pick. Even, even, yeah, even from like a non-art perspective, I think The Last Jedi adaptation is by far my favorite of the, the two sequel Marvel mm-hmm. uh, adaptations. I, agree. I think yeah. they yeah. added a well, even not even just the two, adding the the um, the um, anthology movies. I think they did a lot more, especially with adding to Luke's mentality and like his inner struggle during this movie. Uh, I think it's yeah. fantastic and definitely would recommend people reading it. Yeah. And fun fact, I actually met Michael Walsh at a Comic-Con in 2015, I think, or 2014. Uh, he was a, like a small artist, indie guy at a table in Toronto, and I paid him like 40 bucks for a Nightwing <laughs> sketch. And I'm like, this guy is awesome. And I'm like, I still have it in my book. And then the next year I got another sketch. And I'm like, this guy's going places. And then he, now he's drawing The Last Jedi. So I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What Great a story. Dude. Great guy. It's it's that, it's that meeting that led him into Star Wars. Or at least that's that was what you it. can tell like, yourself. Okay, there's exactly. something. There's something. It was the force, you know? It yeah. brought you guys together for a reason. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for uh, your submission, Aiden. Um, message us in, in Discord for your free comic code. And if you out there want a free comic code, just send us your art. It's that simple. Uh, there's some great submissions, and we love to see your submissions, too. We had a lot of um, them this week, too. We did. We did. It was, it was tough to pick, but, um, yeah, keep sending them in. We love it. So, All right. Tyler, I think we're going to move on to uh, what we're reading this week. Uh, I think we're going to start with you. What are you reading? Yeah, well, like I said, I, I've been reading the 2015 Darth Vader. I, I've gotten the first two through the first two uh, trade paperbacks 
I have somewhere over here in my madness of, of notes and, and, and books, I've got the uh, Vader Down. I picked up Vader Down after we discussed it on the last episode that I was on. Um, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to getting into that. Uh, and then War of the Bounty Hunter. Lots of pre lots of uh, preludes and prequels out and, and all the lines are all the, the, the comics are line titles are lining up, so kind of getting all that ready and then of course getting ready for tonight uh reading the star wars 2020 again so lots of good high 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 quality content i i I recommend any one of those uh titles to if you're if you're looking for something to read so emma what about you yeah i haven't been reading uh, a ton this week and then you know i I say that but i actually kind of did read a lot i i reread uh the issues for tonight and then i read um darth vader and dr afra from today um, which I enjoyed. And then uh, that's about it. Uh, I've been working on a video that I'm going to tease for tomorrow. Ooh. It's releasing tomorrow. Ooh. I like it. Um, so I've been I've been editing that like all day today and sort of been writing the script for that and, and working on that. So um, that's kind of been my week. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to um, diving into more Star Wars archives. I really love that book. It's, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm excited to dive further uh, into that that's kind of in my to be read pile um yeah so so that's uh what i'm reading uh jacob how about you um yeah so it's, by the way every time you say st- your star wars archives book i just always assume you're talking about the podcast <laughs> i did confused. too i'm like great plug yeah <laughs> yeah i will plug but them yeah, though star it's a great wars, podcast star wars it yeah, is a great podcast yeah podcast network with uh trev and jose great podcast but yeah no i i really did not read this that much this week I read this volume for the first time. Definitely didn't just finish it. I checked. I finished it on uh, Monday and uh, made the show notes on Monday. So yeah, uh, and you know, Corey read what was it? Out of the or into the dark in one day, basically like two days before the roundtable. So that's me this week. Um, but it was enjoyable, and I guess uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it in a little bit. So, Erica, what have you been reading? Uh, very similarly to you, the only comics I have really had time to read are the Star Wars comics for today, uh, and then of course the new releases. I always try to keep up with those. And as, as a minor flex, I've been reading uh, Rising Storm because I did yes. get sent the advance. So that is, I'm trying to get that ready for next week or next. Wow, no, 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 next month. <laughs> uh, <laughs> False alarm. Um, yes, but it is again, as I said earlier, it is it is very easy to do. It has been obsessing my mind. And everything that I exist, which is why again I'm repping my High Republic shirt, and uh, I'm I'm all things High Republic now. I am very probably boring to talk to to my friends asking about Star Wars outside of Utini. because so I'm like, have you heard about these new books? So that's my reading pile lately. <laughs> all right, so for our audio listeners, we just saw an awesome new merch ad um, from yes. Jose. Thank you, Jose. And uh, yes, you saw right. Uh, that is Cosmic Force merch. You can get your Woo! own Cosmic Force merch. All right. Uh, you can get a t-shirt and a bag and a sticker. And by the way, I have one of those bags. It's uh, It has the Utini logo on it, but it's the same size. And it is perfect to pick up your pull list, just FYI. So utini.com slash merch. And um, it's so it's so exciting to have our, our logo on a shirt, you guys, right? It's <laughs> It looks so cool, guys. Like you should, it's so awesome. Like yeah, Jose did a killer with, job. Ugh, I love them. I love it. Killer. Jose is great, absolutely. And you know what else is great? I'm gonna try to pull off an Eric Allison uh, segue here, and we're gonna do- go right into our book uh, roundtable this week. Yes! So hopefully, I didn't I didn't uh, stumble <laughs> over my words too much there. But <laughs> this week, 
Star Wars Mainline 2020 Trade Paperback Number Two. Um, before we get into the, get into the details of this book, we're let me go ahead uh, uh, and give you kind of a recap of um, who is behind it and then uh, and who's writing it and and the creators behind it, and then Emma is going to give us a little bit of a recap of the story so far. So. The mainline Star, Star Wars comic uh, is written by none other than Charles Soule. Uh, penciler is Ramon uh, Rosanas. The inkers are, are Ramon, or is also Ramon Rosanas. Uh, the color artist is Rochelle Rosenberg, and the letterer is Clayton Cowles. And uh, so, Emma, why don't you set the stage for us and, and kind of give us a little bit of a recap of the first six issues? Sure. So this series takes place directly after The Empire Strikes Back, which is, by the way, a super fun time period to be exploring. I love it. Um, so the beginning of this series uh, takes place within Empire Strikes Back, um, like right before Luke gets his new hand. It's really cool because, you know, we kind of see like this big space battle before Luke gets his new hand. And we would have never known that if we didn't have these comics. That's why it's so cool. So uh, in this first arc, uh, everybody's kind of like gripping with the fallout of The Empire Strikes Back. Like, it, you know, The Empire Strikes Back was a pretty traumatic movie for everybody, I think it's safe to say. Mm -hmm. um, so The Empire, uh, under the lead of Commander Zara, or yeah, Zara, uh, is hunting down and picking apart the scattered rebel fleet, and they've cracked the rebel code. So anytime that a rebel cell contacts another rebel cell, the Empire is able to track them, and that is no good. Leia's rebel cell decides to enact Operation Starlight uh, and save the remaining cells. Uh, the main crew heads back to Bespin for Luke to search for his saber. Uh, hopefully not finding his hand. That would be pretty gross. <laughs> um, Lando uh, tries uh, uh, goes there to rescue Lobot. And Leia goes there to figure out how to dethaw Han, <laughs> for a lack of a better term. Um Luke follows a vision of a new saber and runs into Verla from uh, Dark Lord of the Sith. She nearly kills him when she discovers that he's the son of Vader, understandable, but sends him on his way to find his next saber. Luke fights the ghost of the Grand Inquisitor, which was awesome, and comes away with a temple guard saber. So that is the first arc. And now we are about to discuss yeah! the second arc. Yeah, there it is. The Temple Guard Saber. Right. This boy oh, right here. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> Little did I know when I bought it that it's actually a Luke Skywalker Saber. There you Very good go. Code. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Very awesome. But before we talk about this second arc, um, let's everybody rate it first. Um, I guess I'll go first, and I'll give it an 8.5 out of 10. I thought it was really really solid and i'm also reading that we're supposed to not give much explanation so i'm going to stop myself right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> tyler how about you go next um i'm gonna go a little higher i i really enjoyed the first arc i and as i said in a couple episodes before when we were talking about the the character comparisons um this arc has kind of really made moved lando up in my in my you know likable characters so i'm gonna give this a 9.5 because yeah this nice. is a this is a really wow. really fun fun story uh well, let's go to the guest tonight eric what, right. what are your thoughts man i'm gonna i'm gonna split the difference a little bit i think i'm gonna give it a an 8.75 is what i'll do uh again not too much explanation i, I thought it was a lot of fun i love the throwback to high republic obviously with starlight and all the stuff with Kess and Shara just really, Shara, Shara, really, really hits me where I live, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. 
And Jacob. Yeah, so I yeah, I guess it's my turn. I think I don't know. I was I was thinking slightly lower, but now even though you guys haven't given much, I, I'm thinking I, I'll, I'll at least start with an eight, and I will probably be very easily persuaded to go higher. Uh, so uh, it was yeah, it was enjoyable. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a little weird because this we'll get into it, but this was kind of split into two mini arcs. So that kind of mm. it changes things a little bit, but yeah, I I really liked it. I, I mean, I still give it an eight, and I mean, I'd take an eight out of ten in school any day. But yeah, <laughs> that's the law school so, talking right there. There you go. Uh, yeah, there go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Emma, why don't we go ahead and and dive right into it? And why don't you go ahead and give us the summaries for let's go issue seven and issue eight. Yeah, so before I start, um, issue seven and eight, like Jacob said, they're kind of like two mini arcs. So seven and eight are called The Will of Tarkin, which is a super cool name. And then speaking of cool names, nine through 12 is called Operation Starlight, which, yes, it is a reference to the High Republic. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll summarize The Will of Tarkin. So issue number seven, here we go. Commander's, Commander Zara is about to set out to take down the next two cells, one of which is under the command of Leia. They've found them... Uh, based on communications. Um, in Zara's past, she was recruited by Tarkin to be her uh, his personal uh, uh, protege. Um, it was there was a very cool scene with them on Iriadu, um, which is Tarkin's homeworld, kind of testing some recruits, and Zara's just like total totally menacing, and it's it's scary. Um, so her last mission uh, for him was a failure, and she set off in disgrace before the Death Star was blown up which um, makes her uh, have, have quite a grievance towards Leia because of the rebel plans. And now her mentor is killed, but he never knew that, you know, she actually turned out okay. And um, so, yeah, she's, she's not too happy about that. I don't blame her. So uh, issue number eight, we have uh, Commander Zara deciding to lead a boarding party to go after Leia in the heat of battle, which is very unusual for a commander to do. Um, however, while she's away, the rebels are finally able to deploy their fighters and turn the tide. So she must return as her forces escape. So she's only able to injure Leia very slightly, but isn't able to kill her like was her ultimate goal. Tyler, how about issue number nine and ten? Issue number nine kicks off the Operation Starlight uh arc on this and that is when we finally learn the nation or the nature of operation starlight and that c-3po our favorite protocol droid has developed an idea for an unbreakable code but they will need to uh, an ancient protocol droid who knows a dead language to create it because they need to figure out a way to re-encrypt their communications uh lando is able to smuggle kes dameron and the pathfinders to coruscant so they can steal this ancient droid from an imperial museum kind of uh, and uh things of, of course don't go as uh, as as they expect and uh, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a casualty somebody actually gets left behind um and uh but they don't want to make their sacrifice in vain um but unfortunately, the droid that they're able to, ca- to get the droid, bring it back to the to the fleet. But the droid turns out to be corrupt, and Lobot is needed to be able to stabilize it, and they can so that they can actually get to work. But before they get to work, a droid who is uh, has some aggressive negotiations with uh, the fleet and decides that uh, yeah, if, if I'm going to do this work for for you, you're going to need to do some work for me. 
Um, and they finally agree, and uh, the newly formed Starlight Squadron, under the com uh, command of Shara Bay, heads out to spread the code to the other cells, but unfortunately it turns out to be a trap. It's a uh, trap. Back at Leia's... It's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. There, there we go. go. <laughs> we legally uh, have to do that. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, back at Leia's ship, it turns out that the process of keeping the ancient droid running is quickly killing Lobot. Uh, Lando tries to intervene, but Kess is not having that at all. Uh, and, and is not going to let anything happen to the mission uh, or Shower Bay because, obviously, that's his wife, and um, his wife comes before a uh, Lobot. So that is how we end issue 10. Eric, let's go ahead. I'm going to turn it over to you so you can give provide the summary for 11 and 12. All right. We end the arc with 11 and 12. Uh, in issue 11, in true comic book fashion, C-3PO is able to reverse engineer the code needed, and they're able to get rid of the old droid and his manipulations, and it turns out Lobot was never in any serious danger, again, thanks to our friendly golden boy. But Starlight Squadron has a crazy fight within a Star Destroyer hangar. They all, however, manage to escape, with the unfortunate exception of Shara Bay, Poe's mom, Kessa's wife, leader of Starlight Squadron. She's left behind. Issue 12... Leia and Kess Dameron have a really beautiful heart-to-heart. -heart. It's kind of an intimate issue where they both discuss their feelings. It's split up into two parts, with Kess talking about how he met Shara Bay through a bit of a street race and betting on her in a weird way. And then Leia tells a really endearing story about Han being selfless, how he hates the cold, he hates everything about Hoth, and yet he did a lot of great things to sacrifice so that the rebellion could keep going forward. At the end of that issue, however, we find out that Shara has, of course, evaded capture, on the Star Destroyer, and has started to scrap together intel to send back to the Rebellion in the future. She says, Kess, come get me soon. And that's the arc. So I think next we're going to go on to some character descriptions, and I don't know who's doing that. It's not on the outline. Is it me? Is it Emma? Is it C3PO? Eric, you, you, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, if you sure. want to take it, take it. Yeah. Let's, we're live. <laughs> this is live TV. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> So a couple uh, characters we want to uh, talk about here. Are La uh, you mentioned, Tyler, that Lando really did uh, kind of went up a couple rungs in your personal rankings on this series. And it's really clear to see why. You can tell that Charles Soule loves Lando. And the things we want to wonder is where where do Lando's where does Lando's true allegiance lie at this point in the story? You know, he's getting calls from Bib Fortuna. He's saying he's going to give Rebel Code to the Huts because they're, they're hitting his buddy. Um so we kind of kind of wonder that. Do you guys have any initial ideas about just gut reaction? Where do you think Lando's at in this arc? I th I think at this point in the story, mm -hmm. I think Lando's true allegiance is to himself, and and, totally. and I, I think that he is is just like Han, and 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 and, uh, and in some. Uh, instances like Afra, but whereas Afra, but Afra doesn't have Leia and Luke and the Rebel Alliance to kind of guide, be their guiding star. So I think at this point, he's he's his allegiance is to himself and to his friends. When and that's that is what I love so much about this about this uh, arc for him is I really really enjoyed the the passion and the compassion he had for for Lobot. Um, yeah, that was a it was just a, it was a really really nice character depth that that i really don't think that i have seen i mean it might be in legend shared can probably can probably let me know but i don't really remember him getting this much 
FaceTime and then this much of an in-depth uh, introspective look at 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 the, his personality. Um, so that's that little arc right there is what I, what has really been able to have me shine it. And and it it starts to I can see the path now as to why he is trusted. Come the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, which which brings us to a, another question, Emma. I want to hear from you here. I think a lot of people could, especially in like the older times when we didn't have as much content, could think that Lando and Han were pretty pretty similar right we got yeah. oh the smuggler but he actually has a heart of gold they literally wear the same vest at some points like <laughs> it can kind of be one-to-one but obviously at this point in star wars history han is not available for character growth uh and lando is kind of going on his own journey how do you think this particular arc in this series is helping us differentiate lando's character journey from han that he takes really between episodes four and five yeah, so I think that the the main difference between the two is that the rebellion kind of had to trust Han right away. I mean, you know, he he was going to rescue Leia, so that kind of made him like really trusted in their eyes, I guess, even though he was a little mm-hmm. reluctant. Yeah, but had a lot of street Lan- cred coming in. Sure. He did, he did, but with Lando, it's like he's almost like a, a reluctant, like uh, um. Uh, he reluctantly joined the rebellion. It felt like, um, and he has to really build up his trust. And it's gonna be hard to to trust him because really, Han being in Carbonite is all his fault. Darth Vader being in Cloud City is all his fault. Even though he says it's not my fault, it is yeah. his fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, their stories are definitely different. I think this this comic sort of helps us see that that Lando, you know, even though. If you just watch the movies, it seems as though he's trusted like right away. But that's not actually the case. He, he's sort of building up trust in these comics. Right. And of course, we also see him eroding that trust, as we said earlier, when he's literally making all these calls to the cartels and to all right. these people saying, hey, we just went through a giant arc. We made a sacrifice of a Pathfinder. Shara is missing all to make a new code. And he might immediately sell that code. Uh, Jacob, do you think that we're going to see in in these comics Lando actually betray the rebellion in some fashion to Jabba the Hutt. I I don't think it's likely. I, I you know, it, well, I say that, but, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in War of the Bounty Hunters. It's very likely that maybe he, he turns heel there. I think we're it's just a little bit more of comics mixed direction. Y'all, you know, comic books always have to kind of, you know, give you that, that cliffhanger that doesn't really mm-hmm. go anywhere. Just like Lobot's like, Lobot's going to die. It's like next issue's like, Lobot's fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. But yeah, so I don't know. I think, yeah, L- Lando definitely has his priorities. I think it's definitely Lando number one, Lando's friends and Lobot number two. I th- And I think there's a good in him after that. But so like comparing it to like Lando's lo- or no Lando double or nothing mm-hmm. and like the age of Re- age of rebellion Lando series or it one shot you definitely see that Lando has like that heart of gold in him and like when he's kind of pressed on it he'll definitely you know try and help other people out he, he's putting he, like in the age of rebellion series he like basically squanders his money to try and pay all the people around him and was there a little peer pressure? Yeah, but yeah. he's he's still giving up something. Like he doesn't have to do that. He could pay. Like right. he goes to another mining facility and there's slaves there. He's like, well, I can't do that. I can't like just enslave people to make a ton of money. Like I have to treat people right. So he like frees them and then he comes back. Yeah, he basically comes back and gives all of his money away to make sure the people in Cloud City are paid well and, and mm-hmm. enjoy their time there. So I think it, similar to Han, it's. 
he has that like tough guy front, but when you really push him, I think he's still gonna be the the, the good person at heart. So right. I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna betray them. And if he does, it's gonna be something where like he betrays them, but it turns out to be like inconsequential or something like that. I don't think it's gonna be a big deal in the end. Yeah, okay. I hope uh, that's the case because because then you know you kind of build the argument of well, how did they trust him to become a general right. in episode right. six? Right, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Not that it's hard to become a general in the rebellion, as you've seen. Like it's kind of <laughs> really nilly. But but I wanted to Jacob quick follow up. If he does betray him to Jabba, will we ever see Jabba in a flashback as jacked as that hut we saw in Darth Vader today? <laughs> oh wow, man! I <laughs> guys, if I mean, you want to see a jacked not, hut, that was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I thought Gracchus was like pretty wild with his like m- you know metal like robot legs, but but yeah, no, this like hut has like a twelve pack and yeah, yeah it's, ripped it's arms, crazy. So. <laughs> So yeah, I, I just I had a thought on Lando. I I think I, I will say I still think he doesn't betray them, and if he does, it's inconsequential. But we have been seeing some seeds of like how we get to return the Jedi. Like we st- mm-hmm. we stole like an Imperial shuttle, I think, in the first arc, and I'm assuming that's gonna be the one they used to uh, to go to the second Death Star. Oh, the Tidarian. Oh, yeah. The Tidarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're nerds. But yeah. I think you know maybe. <laughs> You know, obviously the the Empire knows that the rebels are coming. Maybe if we've maybe the rebels' plans are leaked out because Lando leaked the code, and that's how they know to throw the shields up and everything. So, I don't, oh, I don't that's, know. Yeah. that's interesting. That, that's yeah. that's a hot maybe. take right there. I, I still don't think so, though. But it's yeah. it's possible. I mean, Lando definitely opens up a lot of possibilities. Uh, but of course, he is one of the probably two main characters in this arc. We're going backwards a little bit. We have. The, the lead of the first two issues, and Emma, I want to throw this one to you, with Commander Zara, uh, who I think really could have fallen into the trap, and the outline agrees, of potentially being like just a gender-bent Tarkin, where it was not really any characterization, it's all Tarkin just with a new coat of paint. How do you think that she operates more than that? Even though she's only given two issues, it feels like she does a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think first of all, we see her be a little bit more vulnerable than Tarkin, um, you know, with her disappointment and failing her mission um, and then sort of being cast aside by him. So we get to see her vulnerability. And Tarkin, we never we never really see him being vulnerable. All we see is this like tough yeah. guy and, and, you know, straight faced. And uh, yeah, we never see any of that. So So that's the first difference I can think of. Uh, second of all, you know, I think that she stands apart in that she's not necessarily focused on the big picture she's really mm-hmm. focused on getting her revenge not yeah, for the sure. empire but yeah. for herself and i don't yeah, think tarkin reputation. would do that yeah reputation yeah. yeah tarkin wouldn't do that that's a so great do point. you think uh, do you think emma her her voyage over to the rebel fleet do you think that was personal and and, oh, and or do you think that that was that that was as much of a mind game for Leia as it was or as as it was for her own ability mm. to to exact revenge? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think one hundred percent it was for herself because you know we see her make the longer journey to I think it was like the the fourth fleet was Leia's uh, even though they were closer to I think it was the seventh I could be totally wrong mm-hmm. um, even no, though right. they were closer to the to the other one. Um, meaning that the other one escaped. So yeah, it, it was definitely personal. And I think, you know, when she returned from the rebel ship um, and the Imperial officer was like, oh, you didn't kill her, so you failed your mission. And she's like, well, not really, because I've totally like caused her psychological torment. But I don't really necessarily think 
I think that that's her excuse for what happened. She was, I think she was disappointed that she didn't kill her, but she doesn't want to, to show that vulnerable side again, because that's not what Tarkin would do. She's thinking a lot about what Tarkin would do. So she wouldn't be vulnerable and say, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that I didn't kill her, but I did injure her. Yeah. Of course, that's not her only time she's failed to kill someone on a mission. We, we see very, very pressingly in her kind of flashback arc buildup that she fails to kill the totally not High Republic character, Burnium Row. Oh, yes. Um, no, no relation to, not, to another Not at row. all. So, Tyler, there do you is. think... No, I would, all right, a little bit. Uh, Tyler, do you, do you think that she actually learned a lesson from that mission with Burnium Row on the how important it is to follow orders to the letter or whatever lesson Tarkin was trying to do? Or do you think, based on her later exploits, it kind of just washed over her? So this is this is the only part of of the arc that I was a little disappointed in because it's as the point five. she she, pro, she proves herself to be smart and be able to read between the lines on Iriadu in, right. in that not only was Tarkin out sending them out on on the hunt that they were also hunting you know hunting each other mm-hmm. and, and then for her without I'm going to chalk it up as arrogance but it's not really displayed that way. I don't, I'm not really sure how the person who is smart enough to pass the mission on Iriadu isn't smart enough to realize that I, you know, I need to kill this person. I, if he says, bring me, bring me uh, his head, which is exactly what he said mm-hmm. on Iriadu. Why I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I was a little disappointed that that, that that's, that, that turned out that way. And so in my head, I'm talking up to just arrogance that she's just, mm-hmm on the on the you know the fast path uh to 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 her own ship and her own command and she got a little bit arrogant and 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 i think that that's where tarkin's influence really does show off on her uh, on her because tarkin was completely arrogant right uh and evacuate and a new in our moment of triumph exactly yeah, exactly uh, so i that's how i'm explaining it in my head is that that is tarkin's influence on her and and her arrogance, but I was a little disappointed with 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 that whole arc of uh, not killing Burnium uh, Burnium Row. So yeah, I do think that she has has had a long time to sit and think uh, and and learn the lesson that uh, if if you're gonna do something right, do it do it yourself and and do it face to face. Yeah, well, I mean that's I I'm, honestly that's a great transition to kind of our wrap up thought about her here. Um, that I want to throw to Jacob. Do you think that it is exactly that arrogance that's gonna be Zara's downfall, or do you think that her demise, well, again, potentially going forward, is gonna be maybe another trait we haven't seen yet? Yeah, I think I. So I think with Zara, you know, we're talking about how she's differs from Target. I think she's a little bit. You know, she definitely has those influences, but I think she's a little rough around the edges due to the fact that you know Target was her mentor and he died. Yeah. So, you know, that's she, rough, I don't think she's learned. Yeah, she doesn't like she she doesn't I don't think she fully understands what he was about. Yeah, like, F's in the chat for Tarkin, by the way. She gets yeah, she gets like that surface <laughs> level, but I don't think she fully understands his strategy and his thought process. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think it's going to be, you know, it's like poetry. It rhymes. I think I think it's going to be something similar where it's her hubris is what may, lets her be defeated in the end. You know, like I was just I, like I just had the thought where. You know, her ship, Tarkin's Will, we didn't really talk about it, is a ship that was docked near the Death Star. And when it blew up, like, like a uh, giant tear was ripped down the hole. Yeah. And, she's, and you can see it in the image, kind of on the on the front side of the, the ship. It's like, 
that her officer's like, hey, should we fix this? She's like, absolutely not. It's like, it's symbolic. Like, we're going to, we have to remember all those who died on the Death Star and the, the whole ship's crewed by people who but lost someone on the Death Star. there's a big hole in your ship. Yeah, it's like, I, I honestly think it's like, with like you know, a, a, a fighter's gonna be like, oh, we, there's just there, there, she just left the hole there. We're just gonna drop some bombs and just right. gonna blow up her. Yeah. yeah, like I think something along those lines where she is so like wrapped up in her her motives and her this story that she's constructed and that she's gonna forget the fact that yeah, having a hole in your ship makes it slight a little bit more vulnerable to being to being blown up. Yeah, so, Le- Leia, Leia, my prediction, my prediction, several hundred meters long. Leia is going to to be her downfall. I, th- I, like I think that. That, that's definitely how they're setting it up, but yeah, cool. Um, that that that's kind of like again, this 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 arcs have so many great characters, and I think that's something that Charles Soule has always excelled at. But those are kind of the two big ones we wanted to get to. Tyler, hit us with those massive discussion questions. Let's let's get it. Let's get so, into it. Let's go deep. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna start with with the the MVP of this this uh, arc, despite what Jared says in the chat about how he didn't <laughs> like Land, Lando's characterization in this series, and then completely disappears from the chat without explaining himself. Um, should they have told Lando their plan? Like like how hard was it to say, hey, let's just this is what we're doing. Trust three PO. And and Lobot's gonna be fine. Uh, uh, Emma, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's it's like the Haldo question, right? You know, do yeah. you share your your mm-hmm. full plans or do you not? And I think I think I think that they were right in not sharing his full plan because do you really think that Lando is gonna go along with with letting Lobot do that? I don't I don't think so. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you know, spare your people the details and let it work it out on its own. I kind of think that that can work sometimes, and in this case, it, it kind of saved them some time with Lando sort of withholding Lobot. I think. Yeah. But could you could you have seen a situation where, after the plan is enacted, being like, "Hey, trust me." Even if Leia just sits there and says, "Trust me, I've got this." Yeah. I still I, I, feel like there's a little there could have been a little bit more, maybe not a complete expert exposition dump, but maybe just yeah. a little bit of more of like, hey, I'm 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 Leia of Alderaan. I got this. That's true. I, I mean Leia, you know, she was very steadfast in in saying like, okay, the rebellion needs this and the rebellion you know, this is bigger than just Lobot or just Lando. And I think maybe, you know, she's one of the most sort of trustworthy people. And I think that she can be very soothing as well, just in, in her personality. And yeah, maybe if she just took Lando aside and said, "Hey, it's gonna be okay. You know, we, we've we've got this. C three PO. You know, he might be able to to get get this droid. You know, totally obsolete. Uh, make this droid totally obsolete so that he can make up the codes himself. And that if we can just have Lobot for a little bit, this could make." A huge difference mm-hmm. and i think that would have played up to lando's ego a little bit yeah i also think there's a possibility that as i was reading this i i thought that you know is there if leia exposes their plan in front of the other droid right i was just reading through those last couple of pages here real quick just kind of make sure i got the context right you know does that droid change a variable and as 3 is working like does other stuff That's happen fair. like mm-hmm. I, and i also think that leia organa is not in the practice of promising things that she can't deliver. So I think yeah. that if it hadn't worked, then Lando was like, you told me he'd be okay. And then he's not. I don't think she wanted to promise that if she, until it was done. So I, I do think it is. It, I love the, the 
comparison to Holdo, actually, because I think that's a really interesting comparison I hadn't thought of before, frankly. But I think it works in a similar way that this is, despite the fact that it's a bunch of smugglers and robots and Star Wars, like, it is a military still. And there is still kind of a, a order of command that has to be followed so chaos doesn't erupt. And I think Leia's handling it like a commander, and Lando wants to be in charge all the time himself. So I, I think it worked out as it had to, and Leia was trying to minimize the variables. But I see why Lando was frustrated. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we can get it. For sure. Yeah, that, that's that is a very valid point, and you've changed my mind on that. Good job. Nine point seven. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, uh, Jacob, I'm going to talk. I'm going to toss this this next question to you in in issue nine. I think. Uh, let me go back and just double check. Yeah, in issue nine, yeah. we see Lando kind of take the Pathfinders into the undercover, and we get a little bit of uh, of of greater meta commentary on colonialism in Star Wars, specifically uh, Needle. How do you feel? How do how do we feel about that in 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 the context of of this universe? And then and potentially, if if, if we want to just briefly to comment on it just having that coincidentally be written in 2021 yeah like i mean we could spend episodes upon episodes talking about like the the political and societal and all the implications upon this this topic i think it's definitely a good time to be talking about this with just an increased awareness in stories and how they affect you know how they affect people of uh just more persecuted races or religions or sexualities gender whatever you know trying to touch on these issues that a a western audience doesn't normally think of like Mm -hmm. i don't you know i my family's like white and german i don't think about how like being colonized affects me in my past but being exposed to this shows how you know those effects in, in certain ways so like i definitely start picking up on star wars with like light of the jedi and even strangely enough harder with um a test of courage which is a a middle school a middle grade novel i think it hit really hard with the 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 implications of you know going out and reaching out to occupied wor- or sorry not occupied worlds but um inhabited worlds versus in- uninhabited worlds and what what the moral ramifications of these are uh i think it's and it's great so that novel was written by justine R- ireland who is a a, a black woman who so she has some of those personal ties to this. This is a comic book written by Charles Soule, uh, who's a white guy, and I think it's great that he tries to tell the story. I really hope that we had a diverse team of people behind him trying to make sure he's educated on the topic. Because, I mean, let's be honest. We're, we, like I said, we're not as greatly affected by this in our past. So we can't speak about this as honestly and from a place of knowledge and education. But I am really happy that we are starting to see, you know, even if it's something smaller, I'm happy to see this kind of commentary come into the Star Wars universe because Star Wars is for everyone. And the fact that we're able to highlight these stories and show these different these different aspects of of commentary beyond bad, good versus evil. We're talking about these complex issues and introducing to them, introducing these issues to people of all ages, I think is fantastic. And I'm glad we're moving in that direction uh, and we're able to handle something a little more complex. Yeah, that's very well said. Um, you know, I, I agree. I, I wish that uh, that we were, we saw more of this in Star Wars. 
Um, and I hope that we see more of it in Star Wars later down the line with some really diverse storytellers because I think that there's so much here that is not only interesting in Star Wars, but is also a great connection in our real world. And I think we could all yeah. use some more of that in our lives. Yeah, I, I and I think to, to bring up kind of what Jacob said earlier, the fact that there are more people... Um, then, then just like the white guy that made this comic, but there are more people that are listening at least to other people too about these stories is, is, is evident. You can't escape it in, nor should we in a lot of the modern story storytelling. And even though it was used, like you said, Tyler, in the kind of a meta way in like the, the idea of them taking this artifact that was very, very kind of special in using it in that way, wasn't maybe necessarily the focus of the issue. But I think at least bringing that to their attention was important. It reminds me of like the Calicori and Rebels, um, mm, yeah. how Hera's family kind of again are you don't understand us necessarily, even though you're an art critic, you're an art enthusiast, you don't understand what this actually means. I think that's also very important to tell people, hey, even if you can appreciate something, if it doesn't mean something to you based on your background or your experience, you still need to listen to those that do. And then. I mean, come on, it, it, Star Wars, we adore it, so if we're going to learn anything anywhere, it might as well be in a galaxy far, far away. 100%. Right. I, I, th I think this is a perfect example of art imitating life. Yeah. And, 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 and I hope that, that the, the, the purpose behind this, and I think the end result is if it doesn't, it's, it starts to open people's eyes in the sense of thinking about it at least in this fictional world and and. and I'm hoping that it it's it's used as a way to potentially open eyes into other things, um, yeah. because uh, you know art is does imitate life, and 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 we write and and people write this and 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 do movies and comics and 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 any type of art as a way as a I, I hate to to underscore it by saying this, but as a backdoor way into talk, telling people about things about other things about real world things, and so if it gives people an opportunity to see it in this universe in this world hopefully it, it it'll allow them over time you know to to maybe think about it in in, in the real world as well mm -hmm. so um it was done well uh, um personally you know for, for, for my opinion i mean some of these some of these things can can be a little a little heavy which can kind of kind of ruin the the point and 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 drown out the the rest of of the things going on but i think this was this was done well it was it was it was illustrated well the art was was amazing the passion in his in his face and and i mean i could hear him in in my in my mind's eye when i was reading those those uh you know panels where he is you know ultimately sacrificing himself i can i can hear every single all the emotion in his, in, in, yeah. in in his words um, and it was just it, it was a really, really great, uh, you know, imagery uh, from, from the creative team in this book. Yeah. Something something I think about, like, in addition to this whole this um, this line of, of commentary and storytelling is something that it reminds me of. Uh, There's a Living Force episode, I think, probably around a year ago now about all of the the black authors in Star Wars history. And there was like three, like legitimately yeah. between yeah. Legends and Canons. It was like. Yeah, there's been like three black authors and like 40 years of writing books. And just like between that time and now, um, you know, there's we still have a long way to go. But just the amount of like, I mean, obviously, Justina Ireland's writing for us now. 
we have uh, but just, like the amount of like BIPOC authors in like just look at like um Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view like I feel like a quarter of those people were you know uh ethnic minorities non-white authors which is it, we're definitely I think we're heading in the right direction and the fact that couple that with the fact that we're telling more complex storytelling and more complex concepts in our star wars our star wars stories i think we're i think we're heading the right direction um just hopefully it continues to go that way love it Agreed. well i want to go ahead and we we have one final question and we're gonna i'm, I'm gonna try to, to to lighten the mood a little bit here so i'm gonna go around the room here i'm gonna start with emma and the first thing that comes to your mind we see this imperial museum and and the the imperial world and imperial colonization as we just discussed is large so i'm sure there are a lot of other interesting uh artifacts in the vaults of this imperial museum so i want everybody to go to the room we'll start with emma what is one other item or artifact that you think in your in your star wars universe this item is also in that imperial museum Emma, you, you go first. All right, I really love this question. Um, and, I, you know, this this legitimately is the first thing that comes to my mind. I hope it doesn't sound too silly, but it's going to make you guys laugh. I think Snoke's hat is there. <laughs> yes, Emma! I don't know why it was the first thing yes! that came to my mind, but it was. So does Majesty. he break into the museum and steal the hat or something? Or how does that work? Uh, the Drengear did it. <laughs> oh, no. I, I will accept that answer thank you i love my it answer is all over the place oh my god all right all uh, right jacob um your turn to attempt to, to follow up that amazing answer wow yeah. i you know you know i was really disappointed because like i was looking hunting for easter eggs i'm like i'm sure there's something in the background there's really not there's kind of it's pretty like vague indescript uh drawings at, like i don't know there's gotta be like i'm gonna call it there's the mega holocron there's just gonna be like a massive like three foot cubed holocron wow. jedi holocron somewhere in a box it's like indiana jones style they just like boxed it up and just shoved it back no one's gonna know about it like no one's gonna ever find it but hey somewhere there's a raider in a lost ark dr afra's gonna find it uh, <laughs> mark my words hey, you know if incredible Afer breaks in this museum <laughs> in an arc or two i would love that and just like her just like throwing junk around. Uh, hit my mic. Oh, okay. Lord. Uh, her throwing junk around and everything. She'd like, lose oh, this it. Is the one thing I needed. Yeah. She'd lose her mind. Um, right, Eric. Yeah. Mine is going to be, I, I, and I had to Google this to make sure it's the image I'm thinking of. Um, in the early concept art for Chancellor Lena So of the High Republic, she has this like really ornate kind of like headpiece. Mm. And I think the headpiece is in there because I think that when Palpatine took power, or even in the Republic, they started to slowly try to phase out everything that was going on in the High Republic so people wouldn't remember the glory days and only think of Palpatine's power. So I think he hid the ornamentation of the High Republic back in the vaults of the museum. Oh, I like that. Very so. nice. Uh, Very nice. Mine yes. is is nothing specific um, because I can't think of it. I can't think of it. Right oh, um, Jacob's pulling up oh, the yeah, uh, on the fly on the fly producer um pulling up the head uh yeah, the headband right is. there. God. Why not have why, why not have her her something from her from her pets in there as well? I mean while you're at it. I mean <laughs> The actual taxidermied pets? That'd be great. Yes, exactly. They are also exactly. in there. <laughs> I mean, coming from the vibes of this museum, they they would 100% be in there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Yes. That's that's so, better. <laughs> Earlier, I believe it's an issue. It's it's actually the first issue, uh, issue seven. Um, 
the Emperor is talking to Vader and mentions that mentions Thrawn. So for my artifact, I don't know what it is, but it's it's something uh, Chiss related. Mm. Something he has he has oh. brought back. Nobody knows what it is. No, it, nobody except for him knows what it is. But it's kind of hidden in plain sight of of something that is ex- extremely valuable to the Chiss and something that that di- gives all of, uh, you know a lot of their 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 secrets. Um, and he's just gonna hide it right there in uh, in, in in the the museum. So. Ooh, okay. What if it's like a ticket stub from the art museum he went to with Arlani on their date in Chaos Rising? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "This is an artifact. Or that's the, very important." The, the sparring sticks, you know? Yeah, that's, there that, go. that's yeah. exactly that's exactly what's in there. Are these Trish so. weapons? Yeah, they're totally not from a date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so just like with all of our um, Easter eggs, we are going to end with some amazing Easter eggs, and so I'm going to turn it over to Jacob, who did um, great. Just, just first off, great research on this. I'm, 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 I'm really impressed with all this. So, so Jacob, much time on Wikipedia. Yeah. Go ahead and, and 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 list all of these amazing all right. Easter eggs. So, uh, Jared or Trev, someone who is crazy about Star Wars, this one's for you. All right, so Tarkin's will used to be known as the Fortitude, which uh, the ship's existence is more or less the definition of that word. I don't know. thought that was kind of cool. Um, Zara's background heavily ties into uh, Tarkin uh, by James Lucino. Uh, she goes to the Carrion Plateau uh, from that book and has to hunt a Veermook, uh, which is also the same thing he had to hunt uh, in his like coming-of-age trials. Uh, Bernie Moreau is obviously shares a surname with Mar- Marky and Rowe, uh, the Nile villain, and is uh, said to use the rhetoric of the Nile. However, there is uh, pretty sure there's no relation between the two, as he is uh, uh, a Krukian uh, and Markian. Uh, we don't know what his species is, but it's definitely not that. Great. Uh, if so. we've learned anything, <laughs> if we've learned anything in the Star Wars universe in the last three years, you don't have to be blood. To be related, okay? That's, That's right. There, yeah, there, he's, there's he's, the, he is Bernie M. Skywalker. Uh, is de- <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. All right. So uh, Vader mentions Tarkin taught him a lesson on Chander's folly. This is a reference to uh, the Dark Lord of the Sith comic series, where Tarkin is uh, basically told to hunt Vader uh, and test him. Uh, so next in the museum, uh, they recently brought in artifacts from the. Uh, uh ruins on Kashyyyk. Uh, this is actually the location of the battle uh, from Re- Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith, so where Yoda and Chieftain Tarful are hanging out. That is, uh, that? That, is that place. Yeah. Uh, the Imperial Museum, okay, first appeared in Tales of the Jedi, Freedom Nad Uprising, issue number one in 1994 and was then known as the Galactic Museum. Uh, next, the Pathfinders is the, uh, which is the group of soldiers with Kestamarin and all the others like Needle trying to, uh, invade the museum. Uh, that's the same group of soldiers that actually led the ground assault on Endor with Han in Return of the Jedi. Sick! Uh, next, Lando references Lodobot's past before he was mostly machine. Uh, this story is, of course, told in uh, our co-host Caleb's favorite comic series, the K- uh, Lando miniseries, which is also written by Charles Soule. Uh, so for Starlight Squadron, uh, there are uh, so there are some people that you obviously know, like, you know, Wedge and, you know, uh, Char Bay. 
And there's one, there's a few that like have never appeared in anything else, but there are some that have previous canon appearances. One is uh, Lulo Lampar, who is from the Shattered Empire and Poe Dameron comic miniseries. So he not only flies with Shara Bay, but she, he also flies with her son Poe. So very cute there. Uh, next is Evan uh, Verlaine, who is from the Princess Leia miniseries by Mark Wade, and is also featured in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath Life Debt. Uh, next is Mart Martin, not Matt Martin, but Mart Martin, who is from Rebels. He's the dude that flies, um, uh, the, the, whatever, what's his name? Um, uh, the dude from Shadows of the Empire, he flies his ship and everyone freaked out when that ship showed up. Um, did my zoom just crash? Oh Lord. I might be flying solo right now. How about now? Oh, here we go. Yes. There we go. All right. We're okay. Good. We're good. That was Woo-hoo! terrifying. My Zoom just, like, minimized and started spinning. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, you're still sounding a little choppy in our Zoom call, but we're we're getting near the end. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. All right. I don't think I'm dropping any frames uh, for uh, for YouTube, so I think we're okay. But anyways, two more Easter eggs uh, was... There's show notes. Um, The most hardcore of Easter eggs, C-3PO's Treland 3 comms module comes from the Twin Stars of Kira RPG supplement book from the West End Games. That's wow. insane. Whatever. That's an insane and pull. <laughs> and then his double uh, A one Verbo brain first appears in the courtship of Princess Leia in like ninety four or something like that. Again, wow. literally, if you want to find these, wow. just like anytime you see a, a proper noun, Google it or look it up on Wikipedia, and you're gonna find something. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So that is the Easter eggs. So are we ready to go on to our re-rating? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So I think I went first last time. So I guess I can go first the second time. Um, And as is typical fashion for me, I'm going to increase my rating. (laughs) There you go. uh, I'm going to bump it to a nine. After discussing it further, you know, Zara is a more interesting villain to me after discussing her intricacies. Um, I thought Leia was a badass in this as well. Um, and I love all the Shara Bay and Cast Dameron content. It's, it's, it's really great. Um, and also that scene in, in issue 12 with Leia and Kest just really melted my heart. So, um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this volume and, um, I think I've been really surprised by the Star Wars um, mainline this year, and uh, pleasantly so. Um, and I just hope it continues to totally just do its thing uh, for the hunt, uh, bounty hunt, uh, or the bounty hunters. I don't know why they had to. There we me, go. We got yeah. there. <laughs> there it is. Yes. All right. Um, I'll I'll go. I'll go. I'll go next yeah, in sure. the ratings. I I, I gave it an eight point seven five. I'll also bump up to a nine. And I think it is in large part, Emma, to what you just alluded to, which was issue 12, which we didn't talk a ton about, mm. is one of my favorite single issues of the year. The quiet issue with with Kess and Leia is such a nice emotional kind of difference from the, the high action and espionage and pulling guns on each other of the rest of it, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But I think all in all, it's just a really solid arc that I actually liked quite a bit more on the second read than the first. So if you're keeping up, and you maybe didn't love this as much on the first one, highly recommend giving it a second read. It gets even better. Um, Tyler, what about you? Um, I don't think Tyler's in the Zoom call right now. Tyler, I, I miss know. you deeply. Jacob, what about you? <laughs> 
anyways, uh, so I think I'm also going to increase my score. I'm going to go up to an 8.5. I honestly don't remember what I scored at first, so I'll, I'll, I'll remember when I edit this. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Whenever. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yes. up a little bit. I do think uh, Zara, after a conversation, is more interesting. Uh it's a little so it's a little light on Luke for me. He like basically shows up for like three panels in this entire arc, and I, I don't think you need him. Definitely not. Uh, but I, I do like a little bit. Like at least put him in the background somewhere. Uh, like but yeah, I th- it's definitely very enjoyable. I'm excited to see where this goes next. Even though, uh, it's gonna be War of the Bounty Hunters for the next like five months. But hey, I I, I did very much enjoy this comic and. I think it'll be, and I think I'll probably definitely reread this when we get a little bit more, like maybe after like an arc or two, I'll kind of just go back and reread all of it. But yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I don't think we have Tyler still. He is still in. I don't know if he knows he's gone. Is the he thing. does know he's gone? We he's, talked about it, but Ty, okay. but but you know what? If we don't get Tyler back, do we have any other last thoughts before we uh before we get on out of here? This was. First of all, before we do though, I want to I want to say just a quick a quick personal thank you, you guys, for having me on. This has been your guys' show has been so much fun to watch, and this has been some really great comics. So thank you for not bringing me on for something bad, as I'm sure Legends Look Back <laughs> is going to try to do to me in Ruins of Dantooine when that comes around. Mm, naturally. So uh, this is a blast though, and I think let's uh, Emma. Do you want to, I guess, pitch what the what the next roundtable in this giant event that's coming up that Utini's putting together? What are we doing next? Absolutely. So, yes, first of all, Eric, thank you for coming on. This was a blast. Um, We love having guests on, and and, uh, you especially are just super fun to talk to. Um, Bless you. So, for our next roundtable, this is a gigantic Utini crossover in the style of uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, but not really. We are talking about... (laughs) Shadows of the Empire, which has uh, comics and a book and a game, and there's a soundtrack apparently. Um, so oh, it's yeah. very good. There's like a vinyl, good? isn't there? I yeah, I have the vinyl downstairs. I'm totally oh gonna God. listen to it while I read Incredible. all of this stuff. So um, we have our roundtable on Shadows of the Empire and Shadows of the Empire Evolution, which are the two comic uh, miniseries um, on uh, June 9th, and then on June 10th. On Legends Look Back, we will be discussing the Shadows of the Empire novel, which will be very interesting and tons of fun. And I I, I believe we'll also be talking about the game somewhere, I think. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Does it all that. hold yeah. up? Tune in to find out what they actually say in Shadows of the <laughs> Empire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Legends Look Back is doing the novel. We're doing the comics uh, game night on Fridays. I think someone someone's playing the game. I don't know who that is yet, but I've been told the game night's involved. And then also Star Wars Archives, I believe, is talking about like the action figures and all the merchandise. Oh, awesome! That came out with yeah. it. But just a quick thing on that, we so there are a few different comic books. And to clarify, we are covering the Shadows of the Empire miniseries. We can see issue one up there right now. We're also covering the Evolution miniseries, which is a sequel uh, to the original series. Uh, I So I looked around a little bit. I think probably the best way for you to purchase this, which I, of course, put in the description for YouTube, is the Shadows of the Empire Omnibus. That comes with both of those series. 
And it also comes with uh, the Emperor's Hand Mara Jade miniseries, which we're not going to be talking about. But hey, I mean, at that price point, you might as well just get the extra stuff anyways. Come on, just do it. So, just do it. Do yeah. it. So, yeah, it's you. I have Amazon and Comixology links uh, down there if you want to pick up either of those. But yeah, I believe it is uh, what we're going to be covering, I believe, is 11 issues in total between uh, the two series. Uh, so that will be that. And yeah, we're really excited to talk about that. It's so it's a special moment because it is Jared's last legends book. I believe that he had to read ever. Uh, and That's yeah, wild. so claps, for, claps for Jared, claps for Jared Bravo. for his crazy, crazy legends. Yay! I mean, obviously Yay! there's, there's Trev and then there's Jared, but I mean, again, he might not be on Trev level, but he's still above everyone else in terms of le- yeah. Legends knowledge, as far as I'm aware. So Claps in the chat yeah. for Jared. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I, believe, oh, I saw that we had four people in the Zoom, so I thought Tyler's back, but now we're down to three again. Oh, so but I now he might be back. Tyler. Yeah. No, nope. he's talking. I don't hear him. Nope. I don't hear him. All well, right. All we have left is an outro on this outline. Can we crawl on, on the yeah. end of it? Can we make it? Here, here. Give me like three seconds. Someone someone vamp for me real quick. Vamping. Vamping. Um, <laughs> Cosmic Force. It's not a chore. Talking Star War. Uh, and the lore. Freestyle rap. <laughs> hey, I will take it, honestly. You know, I was about I'm to drop a beat to... for you, but I don't think I can. Oh, wait. Is, is this that, doesn't is happen. That... This oh, doesn't Tyler! happen when Eric's not Tyler. on the show. <laughs> Eric, you're trying to Somehow, take this from Tyler me. Tyler has returned. <laughs> all right so that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the cosmic force yes, uh we encourage you to join our utini discord community by going to utini.com slash discord go to our patreon at patreon.com slash uh patreon.com slash utini uh thank you to cheryl bell patrick ortiz and carl sanders on our jedi high council kyle hickman elizabeth cloutier jesse Mis- jason mitchell freddie c and sally and chris eilerson on our alliance high command thanks again to all of my hosts tonight and i'm gonna get out of here before i lose my internet again thank you all for joining us and may the force be with you